the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to The Firing Line with Philip Naiman. The Firing Line radio show is brought to you by Bullseye Sports in Riverside, CCW Safe, Cutting Edge Bullets, Vortex Optics, Vortex, the force of optics, and by Philip Naiman and Cornerstone Christian Wealth Management. And now your host, Philip Naiman. Good. Bad. I'm the guy with the gun. Hello, folks. Welcome to another edition of Firing Line Radio Show. This is Philip Naiman. Good, bad, I'm the guy with the gun. Well, this week I'm going to be good, bad, I'm the guy with the meat. So we have a special guest on here. We have Tom from EatCuredMeat.com. Now, I'm going to bring him up in a second here, but let me just go over why we're kind of departing from their traditional, uh, this is what's happening in California, this is, you know, gear and all the other fun stuff. In my financial planning practice, the number one question I'm getting from people is what is going to happen after the election? Here in, you know, we have craziness in California. We have craziness all the way across places I never thought were crazy. I didn't know Kenosha, Wisconsin was so crazy. I didn't know Portland. Well, it was weird. I didn't know it was crazy. But we're hearing from a lot of people, what what should we be prepared for come this election? You know, there's two outcomes. Trump wins, thank God, uh, and then we have riots. Uh, Trump loses, oh my gosh, and then we have a government that's out of control and destroying our lives. So either way, we're going to have some challenges this November. And one of the things that I want to make sure that my listeners have understood how to prepare themselves in case of some eventuality. So going forward here, I have Tom from EatCuredMeat.com, Eat curedmeat.com. We're going to talk about food preservation. Next week, I've got Bernard Leitner. He's from leitnerdesigns.com, L-E-I-T-N-E-R. We're going to talk about uh, making your rig fantastic. You're going to have a bug out truck or vehicle. You're going to meet the overlord of overlanding. So that's kind of an interesting thing. It'll be that show. And then following there, I have Andrew from EMPShield.com. Why? Because electronics matter, and we want to make sure we have everything safe on that. Matter of fact, if you go to EMPShield.com, you can get your stuff ahead of time. Use the coupon code FIRINGLINE and get a nice discount on that, EMPShield.com. Okay, so that's what we have coming up. I want to make sure everybody knows that's where we're going to be focusing and to share these shows with your friends. Now, let me bring on this very special guest. I had to fly around the world to find him. I did it on the internet, but I did have to check out this guy. His name's Tom. He owns the website eatcuredmeat.com, E-A-T-C-U-R-E-D, meat.com. Why? Because your protein has to be saved. It has to be prepared. It has to be dried. It has to be all the stuff you're going to learn about, how to do, and what's involved. Because if you do have a situation where food is in a shortage and you have to eat top ramen 37 days in a row like you were in college, 
you may just check yourself out. So we don't want to see that happen. We want to make sure that you have protein in every meal. And how do you store that? Tom, let me bring you on here. How are you doing, buddy? Hey, top of the morning. It is for you. <laughs> we have a huge time difference here, folks. So uh, please check out uh, Tom's website at eatcuredmeat.com and give him some love there because he's getting up uber early to make sure you guys have this information. Tom, um, how did you get involved in meat preservation? Ooh, so probably about 20 years ago, I just started lots of, in New Zealand, I did quite a bit of hunting and fishing and the rivers, the oceans and what have you. And I started smoking fish, hot smoking it. And uh, hot smoking is like cooking while you're smoking, kind of like your low and slow barbecue stuff that you've got in America as well. Right. Um, and then I sort of switched over and uh, started learning more about cold smoking the fish. And cold smoking is another form of drying and preserving as well. And uh, the cold smoke has properties like antibacterial, antifungal that protect the meat even more. So that sort of started it off. And then. So let me, let me go back here. It, so, so I'm going to be asking yep. a bunch of questions because I want to learn all this stuff. <laughs> all right. So hot smoking is basically what temperature are you treating the meat with? So uh, actually, it's only, it's only, I better get my, I always have to convert everything, of course, to Fahrenheit for uh, the international we, I know. We, visitors that I get. This so, is the short, so, short, so short bus crowd, so yes, give us the uh, Fahrenheit. 86 degrees Fahrenheit or 30 degrees Celsius is when meat starts to actually cook, and uh when you're cold smoking, you're always wanting to do it under 86 Fahrenheit. I do it well under that. I've got I've written all these guides. If you basically Google how to cold smoke meat, you should you you'll come up with uh, EQ meat probably on the top of the list anyway. Um, so when you're hot smoking, you're cooking it, and low and slow, for instance, is always done between about 200 250 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, that's because it's a nice, gentle type of uh, heat when you're smoking it. Right, that's actually uh, right where I run, like when I'm smoking a tri-tip, it's around 225. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you probably you might have heard of the danger zone. Uh, so when the bacterial growth is very high between about 60 to 140 degrees Fahrenheit. So... So that's really the temperature where you where you're trying to avoid it, um, especially with either cooking it or if you're drying it or cold smoking it, which is a form of drying. Um, this is a lot to do with salt. Salt is like the cornerstone of of doing most of this safely. Uh, yeah, and this goes back something like three thousand years before Christ. So. So is there a special salt that you use? Are you talking Morton's? Are you talking rock salt? You know, is there a special sea salt? Is, is it one salt better than another? Uh, salt, salt's interesting. It comes in many different forms, actually. And uh, the, the key thing is that there's no additives. So when you look at table salt, you know, there's, there's iodine. iodine or yeah. iodized. Yeah. So that can play around with the curing aspect of the meat. 
so that you don't want any of that stuff. Or quite a lot of other table salts, they have uh, anti-caking agents put on them so it doesn't clog. And really you just want pure sea salt. I think kosher salt over there is generally very pure. And then you've got rock salt and, uh, yeah, just, just sea salt. I mean, it's plain, um, medium to fine grind. That's really what you, you want a lot of um, for doing meat curing. But there are two, two ways of using the salt. There's a traditional method where you're saturating the, the meat and the salt, which is called saturation method or salt box method. So like you would, take, you've a, got an, you would take a slice of the meat and roll it in the salt? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, well, you pack it in, actually, if you really want to go hardcore and like have something like, like the traditional salt pork that you have over there. Uh, so that would be slabs of like fatty pork belly and then you're layering salt in between um, the slabs of pork belly in vats or in like they used to use like big clay pots and then and then you're leaving that to the salt inhibits inhibits the meat of course and there is an aspect of Pulling some of the moisture out, but it's also just restricting the water activity inside of the meat, and it's the water activity inside of the meat that um, that the bacteria has the bacteria inside there ends up spoiling the meat. So if you've if you slow down and you've inhibited that water activity, um, then basically yeah, the bacteria really struggles to to grow or to spoil in there. And then you've, you've got good bacteria and bad bacteria as well. Let me, let so. me back up one, one quick question. You said, <laughs> right, you said uh, for salted, uh, well, salted pork, you, you know, basically it's bacon, right? The pork belly. D- is a lean cut of meat better for this or a fatty cut of meat? Yeah, yeah good question, actually, because fat doesn't, it doesn't shrink. I've found when I've done like the sort of non-refrigerated yeah. style. Because when we, when we do... Chunk- when we smoke beef jerky, we always trim all the fat off. We don't want any of that on there. But you don't have yeah, to do that for cold yeah. smoking, is what I'm hearing you say. Uh, no, well, I'm talking about actually, like, let's say, just salted, salt salted. pork. Okay. Not, not talking about cold, cold smoking, a little bit different. Uh, cold smoke can be used just as a level of protection. Um, if you... If you look at like what you have like in terms of fat and non-fat, it just won't shrink as much. So, I mean, I've got bits of meat hanging around all over the place, and uh, when I haven't used any refrigeration, well, that's a good, just got like it's a good thing we're not on video because that sounds a little macabre for uh, for us here. Yeah, hi, Jeffrey Dahmer. Can I help you, um, folks? This is Philip Naiman of Firing Line Radio Show. I'm here with Tom from New Zealand. You can tell by that Boston accent, right? Um, EatCuredMeat.com. Eat curedmeat.com is where his website is. We're going to talk about some of the things that he can do to teach you to prepare for food for the future. We'll be right back after this. AM 590, the answer. This portion of the firing line is brought to you by Bullseye Sports in Riverside. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. See this? This is my boomstick! 
Hey folks, every week on the Firing Line Radio Show, you know our conversation is going to revolve around firearms, hunting, gun rights, and all the great stuff afforded to all Americans under the Second Amendment of the Constitution. Our longtime companion on the battle to uphold these rights is our Vince Torres, Bullseye Sports, Guns and Ammos in Riverside. Now, if you're not armed for protection or recreation, well, shame on you. Head on down to Bullseye Sport in Riverside where you need to go for small arms, rifles, big arms, shotguns, ammos, accessories, and much more. After you purchase that firearm, we highly recommend you attend a certified firearm and safety and training course. It'll teach you the safe use, attitude, and procedures for your firearm. Call Vince over at Bullseye Sport, 951 or just text me and I'll give you his personal cell phone number. Maybe not. All right, 951 Call Vince, get on over there, get yourself armed, and defend yourself. Okay, folks, joining me back here, I have Tom. Tom is from EatCuredMeat.com. EatCuredMeat.com. We talked in our last section here just trying to understand that meat preservation is extremely important. If we lose electricity, if we have a big earthquake, we have a zombie apocalypse, we want to make sure that you folks out there have your protein stored. One of the ways of doing that was the salted method uh, that they invented, what, 5,000 years ago? And uh, Tom, you're just picking up on that about actual the saturation of the salt and how that works? Yeah, so the salt side of it... It, it inhibits and slows down the water activity and then you've got something which you're drying out and losing a certain amount of weight to to officially see it as being preserved and, and I mean you're talking preserved long term if you want as well uh, it just depends, there's different degrees to that uh, for, for people that want to do this type of thing at home, there's a lot of there's been a lot of uh, DIY curing chambers that are made for drying out things that, in a way, you can you can you can dry it out a bit more evenly. So, if you're drying it out more evenly and controlling the environment, you can you can look at whole muscle meats, or you can look at doing it's quite a, a more advanced side of it. It's like that whole pepperoni and dry cured fermented salamis. So I've got a. I've got a free ebook actually on my site. It's on the, there's a link at the top of each page, um, which tells you how to how to build like a DIY curing chamber. Um, but I'll give you the quick overview if you want, Phil. Absolutely. Um, now, now, so yeah, let me just so, back, let me back up on this because this was interesting to me. Is anything over 86 degrees is considered cooking and hot smoking? Well, we're here in Southern California, so that's like you know every day. So we almost have to create something that would cool it to do this this curing that you're talking about now. So um, Yeah, yeah. So with that in mind, tell us about how to how to create something like this. Yeah, so it's when you I'll break it down. It's, it's actually it's pretty straightforward um in terms of using I've used commercial fridges, but really just any DIY fridge, um old fridge at home. But you've got frost-free fridges, which are the newer ones, and then you've got the old ones with the sort of coolant panels at the back. And uh, they, they normally have different levels of moisture and humidity in them. So nowadays there's some pretty easy uh, plug-and-play kind of technology where you plug in the fridge to a controller and it cycles it on and off. And then you have a temperature probe in the fridge so that you're regulating the temperature where you want it to be. 
temperature is the easy one. It's the humidity that's a little bit more of a challenge, and you end up kind of uh, adjusting it with a humidity controller and then having like a humidifier and a dehumidifier. Now, this is more for like if you're talking about making, you know, like prosciutto, parma ham, and kind of more more kind of, uh, more sort of um, Italian sort of classic style things. You can, with the saturation method, you can get away with, even even in hot climates around like California, and you can get away with um, doing it without this type of setup. But it's it's really cool to have your own, you know, whole muscle, especially if you're like, I know you, large part of your audience is, is, are hunters. So being able, I, I hunt a lot of venison. There's a lot of different deer in New Zealand and uh, some other bits and pieces. But red meat lends itself well to dry curing in this type of chamber and making some, making some delicious bits and pieces. Uh, you mentioned jerky before. Do you know much about biltong? Yeah, I've heard of it, but go ahead. Yeah, so biltongs, it's, I know jerky that it can be smoked and you're sort of like cooking it and drying it as well. Biltongs are South African. Um, I've got a funny little story, actually. It's uh, they, uh, I've heard from South Africans themselves that the way they used to cure the meat, uh, they would cut it into slices and then they'd put it underneath the saddle um, on the horse and then the, the horse sweat, which is salty, would go into the meat. And uh, that was a form of curing it. And then they'd be hanging it up or, or smoking it afterwards. Pretty intense. But um, the, uh, one of the... Who was the first guy the to think of things, that, right? <laughs> I'll just stick this chunk of meat under my saddle. And <laughs> but um, the, the modern version of biltong... Uh, is uh, has more. It, it's called when you cook something, you denature it, so you're changing right, the, the protein, protein structure. Changes, right. Yeah, and you can do that with vinegar. So vinegar actually has a denaturing aspect. So biltong is using the acidity of vinegar as well as the salt to do a sort of cooking and making it safe process. And uh, I make a lot of biltong. It's my sort of like, that's our hunting snack um, when we're going out for a week or two weeks sometimes in the mountains. So, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's really, and really all you need, to be honest, you, all you need is like a fan and uh, some, a light. That's like the classic biltong box. People make them out of cardboard boxes um, and you cut like half an inch, an inch thick slabs off, you know, different uh, whole muscles of a hind leg or whatever, and uh, you kind of marinate it in the salt and the vinegar, and it only, because of the thickness and because of the power of the vinegar, um, you only need, like, overnight, really, and then in, like, four or five days, you normally, you've got a product, you've got, a, you've got something that'll last, well, it'll last, like, two, three, four weeks. So with biltong, um, what you're saying yeah. is you you cut the slab, say I don't know, say we mm-hmm. take some chuck steak or something out here. So you slice it out mm-hmm. half inch pieces. You soak it overnight in a vinegar and salt mix. I thought vinegar like malt and, vinegar is quite good. 
Yeah. I thought vinegar and salt, when you put them together, they kind of fuzz over and everything. No, no, it's not like, no. Nah. The baking soda? No, okay. no, they don't. Yeah, there's more sort of baking soda, I think. All right. I remember we used to blow something up with that. I couldn't remember which one it was. But it had vinegar. That I remember. <laughs> um, okay, so you soak it in that overnight. Is it like a 50-50 mix? Uh, the specific, um, there's a few different recipes I've been playing around with, but um, normally using this method called like equilibrium curing, and that's that percentage to the to the total meat to work out the level of saltiness, but enough to preserve it as well. So if you go like two uh, percent or two and a half percent the weight of the salt that's the thing that um, this is this whole modern thing maybe we'll talk about a bit later but it's like you have uh, you have the, the salt volume varies a lot depending on the type of salt but if you're doing it in weight then you're getting more precision and therefore you can choose there's a certain safe level to cure meat whole muscle meat and whether it's biltong or whole chunks of whatever else and if you're putting sort of two percent uh i like to as a minimum two and a half percent then you've you've got a curing aspect where you're able to inhibit then it's about uh sealing the salt around the meat as much as possible you know like brining phil yes brining meat yeah so so you're kind of creating an equilibrium brine by wrapping it up so that the like in a, a Ziploc bag or some guy's vacuum packet, I've got reusable vac packs that I use. And um you're holding that you're holding that salt against the meat in a bag and then creating a kind of a equilibrium brine so it's just it's just keeps it keeps pushing the salt through and that's kind of uh key to the whole equilibrium curing actually and then you have a fan with a box so obviously you might not have a screen <laughs> over it to keep the uh keep the flies and stuff off but you just have air blowing over it and it and you said for five days yeah yeah normally it takes about five days with like uh most types of, of red meats meat. i've used like right. red red meat beef or venison Okay, we gotta yeah. jump gotta jump to a break here, but that's a pretty good idea. Folks, we'll be right back after this with Tom from EatCuredMeat.com. Have questions about handgun safety, local sports shooting events, or your Second Amendment rights? Just ask Vince at Bullseye Sport in Riverside. Get practical advice, no sales pitch. Vince is a straight shooter when it comes to sharing his advice and years of gun experience. Whether you're a seasoned gun owner or a newcomer, at Bullseye Sport, they welcome everyone, especially ladies considering a firearm for the first time. When they go to our store, we want to give them something that they're going to feel comfortable with. And if you're looking to purchase a gun, ammo, or accessories... If we don't have it, we will get it for you. For all the answers to your rifle and handgun questions, just ask Vince at Bullseye Sport. 951-823-0211. Bullseye Sport in Riverside, proud sponsor of the Firing Line Gun Show, Saturdays at 1 p.m. on AM 590. Follow Bullseye Sport on Facebook for your inventory updates or call 951-823-0211. AM 590, the answer. This portion of the Firing Line is brought to you by CCW Safe by Philip Naiman and Cornerstone Christian Wealth Management. Spartans! Lay down your weapons! Persian! 
come and get them! Hey folks, Philip Naiman, Firing Line Radio Show. Get our podcasts at FiringLineRadio.com. FiringLineRadio.com. You're going to want to share some of this good news here, folks. Uh, last week we had... We're talking with uh, Kevin about communications. Going forward, we're going to have Bernard Leitner, LeitnerDesigns.com, talking about your vehicles and uh, gear you can put on that. We've also got the EMP Shield, uh, Andrew. And remember now, use when you get your stuff over there, use the uh, code firing line for your discount. And now I have Tom, Tom from EatCuredMeat.com. Now, Tom, in October, you're actually going to be offering an online course. So p- even though you're in New Zealand... And we won't hold that against you. Even though, <laughs> even though you're in New Zealand, people can get on this online course. And what exactly are you going to be teaching them? So it's more about the, the more uh, classic Italian-style whole muscle meat curing. So it's like it is all the – it's a foundation course, which will be a whole bunch of videos covering – Everything from um, how the salt works to the, the, the tricks and tips around um, the chamber side of it, and how to how to get kind of like that, I suppose that higher end finish on cured meats. So things that are a little bit more like what you'd find in a delicatessen kind of side of things, um, but it is a foundation course. And I'm expanding on that into other things like um, the full, all the different methods of preservation. So the next one will probably cover everything from pemmican. Is pemmican? You guys pronounce it? Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, pemmican, uh, jerky, biltong. Pemmican's the one thing I haven't had a crack at, but I don't see it as not, you know, I understand the idea of it, but it'd be pretty cool to have a chunky bit of meat hanging around your neck ready to go for a survival situation well you know the indians came up with that and they lived where the grizzly bears were so i don't know if that was really that good of an idea <laughs> that's probably how they attracted them isn't it for hunting that's, well yeah, right. yeah i don't think they hunted the grizzly bears i think the grizzly bears hunted them i think the pemmican in uh, in cheyenne means hey idiot you carry the bear bait that's uh, the actual term, uh, but pemmican means in the, the Cheyenne language. So, anyway, <laughs> it's your turn. You lost the bet. You got yeah. to carry this. Anyway, um, <laughs> hey, let's get back to the uh, the curing chambers. Now, the interesting thing, like you're talking about making high end stuff or prosciutto ham, and and I'm talking about more of slapping something together here of how do you how do you preserve some meat going forward. Um. Mm. And so you you have a system, say you take a, a modern refrigerator or older refrigerator, you can use it, um, let me see what my notes, as you're talking here, to lower your temperature. So what is, a, what is the perfect temperature to cure meat, um, your cold style? Uh, to have a, a temperature where it's drying out, but you're not promoting the unwanted bacteria is about... 50 degrees Fahrenheit. Five zero. Uh, okay. Now, yep. how is that different? From, uh, I know it is different, but you could explain the difference between freeze drying and cold curing. Freeze drying is, uh, yeah, cure, like freeze drying is, is really just um, drying something in very, I think, fixed, a very fixed kind of environment. 
uh, curing has always always got something to do with salt. So it's a salt that you're using as a vehicle for doing the preserving or really to get rid of those unwanted bacteria. You've also got the things like obviously nitrates, nitrites, which are it's a pretty. I mean, I think they're they're pretty important um, as a safety aspect, and then. The way guys do it at home is a is a tiny tiny percentage uh, of the of the weight of the meat, and that's when you need to kind of get into a little bit more precision in terms of having good scales uh, to weigh it out. A 0.25 percent is like for a dry cured uh, product is what you're using. Slightly different for a brining side of it as well. Uh, so really, in summary, you're looking at either salt for the curing side of it. You've got acidity, uh, which happens with fermented type things. It's a whole other aspect of it. Um, and then you've got your your nitrates. So those are kind of like. And then of oh, sorry. And then you've got your smoke, your cold smoke. Those are your four kind of uh, weapons when it comes to preserving things and they're used in different ways for all the the major variations across the world and how to cure meat or preserve meat okay so cold smoke um how do you get smoke under 86 degrees hard in california isn't it <laughs> no, uh, so so cold smoking is it's one thing to do with the temperature but it's also to do with the well the the humidity is actually you want that kind of up there as well if you're doing if you're doing um, cold smoking if you're doing like just three or four hours of cold smoking it doesn't matter but for some bacon that I make like good cold smoked bacon I'll do like um, like three days like say three eight hour sessions or Hungarian salami so at night time it must get a bit cooler over there doesn't it some days, not in August, but yes. <laughs> yeah, so you'd be looking at like in in winter, winter time. You know, traditionally is when most European cultures do their cold smoking anyway. And uh, yeah, it's there is some. The most important thing is that the meat is cured effectively uh, to be cold smoked. That's kind of like I think the key thing. So, uh, because process. so let me let me jump in here. Yeah. Um, yep. You're saying the meat needs to be cured. So let's just say I have a big, um, you know, I shot an elk. I've taken a muscle group off of the hind leg. So it's got a big thigh muscle. It's, you know, I don't know, six inches in diameter. It's a foot and a half long. Walk me through what to do with this. Let's say I want to cold smoke it. What's my first step? Yeah, so the thicker it is, the more of a challenge it's going to be. But you can still look at things that I'll, are... I'll cut it in half. So I just sliced it in half <laughs> lengthwise, okay? So... Yeah, so what? How, how would I... Okay, so I'll just sort of run down how I would deal with that. Um, so fully salt curing the meat um, is obviously stage one. And, and to, that to salt use... cure it, are you saying you're going to rub it with, with salt or are you going to put it in a brine and cure it? Yeah, so I would use equilibrium curing to um, look at a percentage, a percentage of salt to the weight of the meat, say two and a half percent, and then I would, I like, I'd do it like in a big 
big ass tray so that you know you could make sure that it's like covering every little bit, all the crevices, and then you'd have to you want it submerged. seal it up. Yeah, no, yeah, you want to seal it up so that the all the cure is 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 touching the meat, and then bagging it up as as tightly as possible, getting rid of all the air. And say, you know, if it was um, over six six pounds, um, eight pounds, ten pounds, probably going to have it in the cure for maybe three or four or five weeks. And ideally, you'd want to be having that in a refrigerated area. But then if you were doing the saturation method as opposed to the equilibrium method we've talked about, you'd be wanting to, like, encase it in salt okay. and then leave it for a set amount of days. Like, it'd be uh, three three days per pound, I believe it is. Yeah. So you'd, and so, you'd rub it you with know, salt, leave it for 15 days for a five-pounder. Uh, yeah, it, it depends on the thickness. There's a few other factors. Okay. <laughs> All right, but that's that's rough idea. So let me ask this question then: on on a five pound roast, I was just trying to do this. Five pound roast that would be sixteen ounces, if you did it by ounces out here. Um, two and a half percent or two and a quarter percent. That's about one point eight ounces of salt in the brine. Is that right? Does that sound about right? Yeah, in the cure, a in brine cure. would be more. I always a brine is generally a water based. So it, I like to different. You either got a because it gets a bit confusing, I know, because some guys go dry brining, but it's really wet brining and dry curing. All right. Well, then, <laughs> yeah, as you can tell, I'm confused. Okay. So um, we want to go through these steps again. We're going to pick this up on our next segment here. We're going to, folks, we're going to get you to cure your own ham by the end of this next session. So hang on here. We're going to do the uh, uh, practice session here with salting, curing, drying, preserving your ham and if you want to learn more and actually learn this stuff check tom out over at eatcuredmeat.com get his on october online course it's all about curing meat uh, it's about three and a half hours of finished video takes you step by step because we're painting picture words about meat and barbecue you should be hungry but anyway folks firing line radio show we'll be right back after this hi folks philip Naiman from firing line radio show if you're a concealed handgun carrier or have a firearm to defend your home and are forced to use your weapon for self-defense or the protection of a loved one, you'll be glad to have CCW Safe on your side. CCW Safe provides and pays 100% upfront defense funds for high-quality attorneys, expert witnesses, and the investigators you need following a critical incident with no reimbursement. And they do it all for one flat yearly fee starting at $179 a year. CCW Safe has permit and non-permit plans to protect California residents in this state and while traveling across the country. So check out their new ultimate plan with no caps on criminal and civil defense, $1 million for bond coverage, a dedicated $1 million for civil liability, and many other benefits. You defend your life. CCW Safe will defend your freedom and financial future. In California, CCW Safe has got you covered. So join now at ccwsafe.com. AM 590, the answer. This portion of the firing line is brought to you by Vortex Optics. Vortex, the force of optics. Conan, what is best in life? To crush your enemies, see them driven before you, and to hear the lamentation of your women. 
That is good. That is good. And to eat cured meat. Folks, Philip Naiman, Firing Line Radio Show, back here with Tom at eatcuredmeat.com. Eatcuredmeat.com. In October, he's having an online curing course. I highly recommend you take that. I'm going to take that. He's got three and a half hours of video because as we're trying to talk and explain this with words, and number one, he's in New Zealand. I'm over here, so we barely speak the same language. Um, but, but we want to make sure that you have all the right information on this. And, you know, it's kind of interesting because this is something that takes time. If you want to preserve meat, it, it's a lengthy procedure from what I'm learning here. You know, you can smoke meat overnight or do your jerky, but for this stuff, there's time involved and you're using the natural processes that are there. So the two different ways we were just talking about is a saturation method, which you basically would cover the meat in salt, put in a, a an airtight package, and that's going to stay for several weeks, basically about, I think you said two days per pound if it's under five pounds and three days per pound if it's six pounds or more. So that can take a long time. And then once it's done with that process, once you take it from there, what do you do with that? We've successfully saturated our meat. Now what do we do? So it's cured. And so the salt has inhibited it. It stopped the water activity so that the unwanted bacteria can't do its thing, and then it's the drying aspect of it. Now, I did mention to you, Phil, as well, I've on eatcuredmeat.com, the home page, I've pinned, there's hundreds of posts, but I've pinned a post, because I knew we'd be talking about this, about how to store meat for um, long-term storage, and it has step-by-step both of the methods we're talking about, so people can sort of go over all that. But the drying side of it, after it's been cured, it's if it's in winter over there, you'd probably be okay to just like hang it up. Um, but ideally, ideally, if you're looking at doing the more refined side of things, um, having a controlled environment, and that's where the DIY curing chamber is the way to go, where you've got a higher humidity, 70, 80 uh, percent, and uh, holding the temperature at about 50 degrees Fahrenheit with a little bit of airflow. So, you know, with fridges like that have been converted to curing chambers, you're just opening the door every day or two. Well, that's I not even have to have a fan. You just open the door and let new air in. Yeah, yeah, you do, because it's sort of most fridges will be circulating a little bit of air as well. There are there is of course variations depending on the fridge, uh, but generally speaking, yeah, that's that's all you that's all you're doing really. Um, there is some ins and outs in terms of trusting your senses and looking at the meat and having. I find smelling, sniffing is like because you you were through through a little bit of evolution. We've kind of have this idea that when you smell something and it's bad, you know. You screw your nose up at it. So same thing applies with this, I think, in the in the simplest term. If it smells bad, don't eat it. Do you do that, Phil, or do you eat things that you... <laughs> no, no, I, I, I try not to, right? I try not to. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, so, that's like thing... when you, you watch when you're pouring your coffee in the morning, and if, if you see the chunks come out of the creamer, that's not a good cup of coffee, right? <laughs> 
Well, unless it's one of my basic rules of life. I only have two. Don't eat stinky meat and no chunks of my coffee. But, you know, other than that, we're good to go. Make a good tattoo. <laughs> oh, I have three rules. No tattoos. Yeah, that's the other one. <laughs> okay, so the interesting thing on this is you do this work. You do this work now. You, you, you try it, and we've got hunting season coming up, so hopefully there'll be some, you know, some stuff to work with on that, but your your the meat will last for quite some time without refrigeration. So talk about yeah. how do you, how do you store it, and really what kind of shelf life can you look at? So some of the chunks of meat. So we've talked about saturation, and we've talked about equilibrium curing. The saturation, if you're really going hardcore and you want the longest preservation, so this is salt pork, salt beef, you know salt fish um, you 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 put like I've got a chunk of pork belly hanging in the other room and it's like I had it sitting in a container full of salt for a week I changed the salt for another week it's not a massive like it's probably only half a pound so it's not a big piece of meat and then it's I'm running a bit of some experiments on this one specifically but um, it'll probably go a year I'd say maybe a year and a half um, because it's, yeah, because it's been salted heavily. It's got salt all over it and now it's just, it's dried out. It's it's quite a lot of fat on there and the fat doesn't shrink like the rest of it. And uh, then if I want to make my Boston beans or what have you, then I can uh, soak that or you can just sort of simmer it, boil it, and it'll leach out the salt and then you're able to consume the protein and it does have some flavor of course as well um, so, so it reconstitutes it so you've got the the just like in biology we learned the, the sodium potassium pump you know with the water coming back in when you mm-hmm. soak it then the salt that's in the meat comes out and the water goes back in making it edible or chewable right correct yep that's the one so you're making your own dehydrated, just like uh, that. But the the good part of this is you need to have some protein. And if you're in an extended situation where maybe electricity is a problem uh, and you have this preserved meat, you're going to be able to live off of it pretty comfortably. The last thing we want to do is have be forced to eat top ramen forever. You know, it's it's it was okay in college, but we should be past that in this lifetime. So, uh Dehydrated food's good. Here's a way to dehydrate all the meat that you want to store, and it can store for a long period of time. And if it's done uh, like the prosciutto style, you can just kind of cut slices off of it, right? You don't have to reconstitute it. It's or salami. It's good to go. Correct, Tom? Yeah, yeah. You guys have got that uh, other stuff like country hams, kind of like that, isn't it? Yeah. You know the country ham? Yeah. So it's it's smoked quite heavily. Prosciutto isn't. But, um, yeah, I mean, what you have when you don't muck around too much with the, like, you don't break it down and you've still got all that fat and skin and everything else, you're also not exposing the meat to the environment, and that's what leads to some, you know, the chance of unwanted bacteria. That's why salami is a lot, dry-cured salami is a advanced, much more complex side of it because you're, you're um, creating, you're opening up the meat to the environment, and then you know if you trap oxygen in there, you can lead to even more harmful things. 
Um, but getting your head getting your head around all pink curing salt and things like that is uh, really key. And I would suggest people to do their research on that and decide whether they want to use it or not, um, because it's just another form of protection um, uh, against the botulism, which is. You know, not a good thing. Not a nice thing. Um, it, yeah. There's enough of it in Nancy Pelosi's face to go around. We don't need to create any more of that stuff. Okay, so you don't know who she is. Trust me, you're living a good life. No, no, no. Yeah, it's, it's a good thing you not don't. Not your wife, though, is it? Wow. Okay. Oh, click. You just got hung up on. Um, but you mentioned something here about once you start cutting it and opening it, if you've got a bigger piece of meat, maybe it's, let me ask you, is it smarter if you're going to preserve this for future meals and stuff to do smaller pieces of meat so they're consumed at one time as opposed to slicing pieces off and then having it exposed to the elements? Yeah, yeah. Keeping, keeping like manageable chunks is good. The fat doesn't shrink or it's the water content's also different. So, you know, with wild meat, you don't really get a lot of, you know, I can't imagine you'd There's be no getting fat, many yeah. fatty animals. Yeah. Um, unless you get that nice obese wild pig or wild boar, we get a few of those rolling around. Um, but, yeah, they're few and far between. It's always generally very lean meat. Yeah, manageable manageable chunks. And then, like, you know, you want to be having chunks that are also... Um, how you're going to store them. The sickness is quite key as well in terms of like how how the salt penetrates it and all the rest of it. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's, a, it's a big subject. Yeah. It is. So, folks, let me jump off here. I'm going to say thank you to my buddy Tom, eatcuredmeat.com. His course is starting in October, online meat curing course. So all the stuff that we've conf- that I have managed to confuse you on during this show, he will straighten you out. So go to eatcuredmeat.com, sign up for his course. I think it's, it's a small charge for that, but it's way worth it to get this skill set. You're going to learn how to make yourself some fantastic prosciutto that you can share with me. Tom, thank you for your time. Thank you for getting up so early. And uh, thank you for sharing your knowledge with us out here at Firing Line Radio. No worries. It's been a pleasure, and uh, hopefully I've helped out a little bit. I think you have. No worries. Hey, folks, eatcuredmeat.com. Firing Line Radio Show. Get our podcast at firinglineradio.com. God bless. Shoot, Felipe. Shoot. When you have to shoot, shoot. Don't talk. The Firing Line Radio Show has been brought to you by Bullseye Sports in Riverside, CCW Safe, Cutting Edge Bullets, Vortex Optics, Vortex, the force of optics, and by Philip Naiman and Cornerstone Christian Wealth Management. AM 590, the answer.